Y'all, let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. Um, Dear God, I just thank you for tonight. Thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, your hand in bringing each and every individual here um, tonight. Lord, you have humbled me greatly as I have prepared um, for tonight, and I pray now that you would um, find me now in that condition and show me your goodness. God, show each and every person here your goodness tonight through what I might have to say. God, I pray that you would speak through me. Um, you are capable of even that, God. And uh, just pray that your name would be made much of tonight. And we pray all that in your son's name. Amen. Cool. So, I want to start by telling y'all a story. Um, I turned 15 years old. Like most of y'all probably, I was really excited about going and getting my driver's license. I think that's 15 in every state. It was in Alabama. So, I was stoked, right? I'm going to get my, not license, sorry, my learner's permit. I was going to drive for the first time with an adult in the passenger seat. Um, And so, there was a written portion I'd studied for. So I go into the Department of Motor Vehicles. I blow that out of the water. Um, and so I'm ready, right? All that's left is, is a formality, and that is the, uh, the eye test, eye exam, make sure my vision's good. And, uh, and I remember thinking, okay, this, that's fine. It's 15 years of life. I've never had vision problems. I have 20-20 vision, no problem. And I looked in the box. Um, it's like this little box I had to look into and the first thing I thought was, okay, it's broken. Like, they need to refocus it. <laughs> and slowly started coming to terms with the fact that I don't have 20-20 vision. <laughs> and never had I thought I might not have 20-20 vision. And so, um, yeah, my day was ruined. I got over it. Went and got, went and got glasses. That's the point. I ended up getting glasses. I remember trying on... Uh, my glasses for the first time, and uh, and <laughs> I didn't, some of you may have experienced this. Putting on your glasses for the first time, if you've lived 15 years with bad vision, probably not that long, but a long time. And I was seeing things that I didn't know existed. I was seeing the blades of the grass and the, and the leaves, leaves on the trees. Um, it was beautiful. I remember thinking, um, in sitting in class, I sat in the back. I was that kid. And, uh, and thinking, oh, the dry erase markers are not always running out. They're, they're, they're bold and clear, and I can see, and I'm excited about learning. And, uh, and I didn't consider myself not excited about learning before that. And so, um, so I, was seeing, I was seeing life uh, through a new lens, through a new perspective. And really, even more than that, I was seeing, I was seeing things for what they really were, right? And it was affecting, and it was changing my outlook and my attitude towards everything in life. Um, so that's the point of the story. And uh, tonight we're looking at a passage that I hope will do something similar for us. Um, so we as humans, it's just who we are. We want to see clearly. Uh, we want to understand things. Um, we want to be informed of, of things, especially things nearby, things around us. Um, uh, how often I think of how often have you all sat in class and tuned out the professor and thought, what's on my phone is more important for now? Until you hear the words, uh, this will be on the test. And then your ears perk up, oh, this is important, right? This, and I'm afraid of not knowing. This affects me. Um, so 
Um, not only do we want to be familiar with what's near to us and what we think is important, but then when we're not familiar with it, uh, we begin to worry and we begin to stress. I think that's why uh, children are afraid of the dark, right? We all have a little fear of the unknown. Um, probably, probably each one of you experienced this uh, when you stepped onto college campus for the first time, thinking things like, like I don't know, am I going to make friends? Um, will anyone like me? And if so, like, how long will that take? Um, and then some of you now are uh, seniors, and you're kind of thinking the same thing again, right? Uh, will, I, will I get a job? Will I like my job? Will my job like me? Will, um, yeah, will my employer like me? Will my fellow employees like me? Um, so those are sort of checkpoints and milestones that we all um, come in contact with. And then, and then there's also, you know, some of y'all are going through uh, more unique sets of circumstances um, that also lend themselves to this idea of confusion or maybe not knowing what's around the corner. Um, some of y'all in here tonight, um, maybe grades aren't what you hoped they were, um, not as good as you'd hoped, not going, things aren't going according to plan. Uh, maybe y'all are, maybe someone's in here is going through a tough breakup or maybe um, it's just a family situation that's hard to know how to make sense of. And then uh, some of us have even had, you know, loved ones become ill or even die. Um, and these are, these are situations, that bring, situations that bring with them questions. Um, and we want answers, right? We think, gosh, if I... I just understood, if I could just understand, if I could just see clearly why what's happening is happening, why what's happened has happened. Um, I know for myself so often I think, if I could just see the end, if I could just see the end result, you know, I would just brace for it. I would just grin and bear it, and I would just um, find a way through my own strength to, you know, to get out of this. Um, point is, we all long for clarification. I think we all long... Uh, for understanding. And Jesus is saying in this passage, he says, I am the light of the world. I think what he's saying is he's saying that he brings order to this chaos and confusion in life. Um, and so there's two things that I want to look at tonight that I think uh, give substance to that claim. The first one is, is who Jesus is, and the second one is uh, what he does. And both, both of these are very important, and I'm just not realizing... I'm in control of this, aren't I? So there we go, who Jesus is. That's the first point. So who does Jesus say he is in this passage? Um, I want to give uh, just a little bit of context, which I think really helps us understand who Jesus says that he is. Um, Ryan mentioned last week, if you were here, if you weren't, either way, he mentioned that uh, Jesus, in the passage we looked at last week, Jesus called himself the living waters. And... He says this during the, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a celebration of um, the Israelites celebrating when they came out of slavery, out of Egypt. And, um, and so Jesus is speaking here again in this passage, very soon after the celebration, um, and his use of the word light, calling himself the light of the world, uh, has actually carries a lot of weight and has great meaning given the context, given their celebration, and uh, and here's why. Just um, one one pastor talks about the celebration at the Feast of Tabernacles, and he mentions that um, in the center of the treasury, which is where Jesus is right now in this passage, 
Um, there, were, there were four great torches. And some accounts even say that um, the torches were as high as the highest walls in the temple. And that when lit, that these torches lit up much of Jerusalem, which sounds, sounds that's, a lot, that's really bright. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. People would dance. People would dance at the celebration uh, all through the night. Um, and the point of it was they were celebrating and remembering the great pillar of fire that led the people out of Israel uh, during their, or this led the people of Israel during their sojourn in the wilderness. And so it's here in the aftermath of this celebration um, that Jesus decides to, to call himself the light of the world. Um, where Here we're mentioning the light most certainly is going to be associated with the pillar of fire that led uh, the Israelites. Jesus is he's equating himself to the very presence of God that was there in the wilderness. And, uh, and that's not to be taken lightly, I don't think. Jesus knows where he is. Not, it's not an accident or coincidence that he says this when he says it. Um, so he's saying, I'm the one that shows you the way to life. Um, and then, in fact, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, to push this context and analogy a little further, uh, Exodus 13 tells us that the land of the Philistines was nearby, and the pillar of fire led them away from that direction, led them safely around. So I think it's important to see that Jesus is saying, apart from him, we're left to stumble through darkness. And not only are we on a path away from life, but we're on a path towards death. Um, so that's just some context to help. I think, I think it's very important. It helps us understand uh, more about who Jesus is saying that he is. Um, so what else do you see in this passage about who Jesus says that he is? Um, in verse 18, he says... He's been sent by the Father. In verse 19, he says that to know Him is to know the Father. So he's saying, he's saying that He is God in the flesh, right? And if this is true. Jesus has been around uh, from the beginning of creation. It's by Him that light even exists in the world to begin with. And before, he, and he, before light was brought into the world, uh, the world was without form and void. Um, sort of chaotic sounding to me. Um, he, Jesus, as the author of life and light then, he's well aware of the purpose for which life has been created. Um, so the Pharisees, they want to question, they want to question who Jesus is, uh, which is sort of, sort of funny given that Jesus, uh, Jesus just told them, right? He just said, you do not know, you do not know me. And this is right after he described himself as the light of the world. He's telling them to their faces that they do not have the light of the world. And so it should come as no surprise to us then that, um, that they would question him and perhaps not even understand what he's saying or what he's talking about. They're looking to him. They're not looking to him, but rather they're looking towards their own, their own human knowledge and efforts. Um, I thought this was funny when I was reading I think it's telling that the Pharisees, their Pharisees' rebuttal is not, Jesus calls himself the light of the world, and their rebuttal is not, no, you're not. You're not the light of the world. Because they honestly don't know much about that. They reach immediately towards their expertise. And darn it, if they don't know what makes a testimony valid. And so that's right where they get. They're, just, they're trying to stump 
trying to stump Jesus, they're trying to stump the Most High, the God of all creation. And, and yet He is gracious with them in that moment. And He doesn't judge them um, right then and there as He rightly could have done. But He simply points out their mistake and points out their misjudgment. He tells them in verse, he tells them in verse 15, says, you're not according, they're not judging according to the flesh. They are judging, sorry, according to the flesh. They're judging by human standards. They're basically, they're trying to measure the straightness of a line with a crooked tool, with a crooked yardstick or a broken tool. They're trying to, um, they're trying to evaluate a painting in an art museum when in fact they've been blind from birth. Jesus is saying, you just aren't capable of judging rightly. You're judging by human standards. Um, yeah, how can they possibly judge accurately if they don't know the lie of the world, which is what Jesus just described himself as and just told them, you don't, you don't know me. Uh, they want to know how Jesus can prove what he's saying is true uh, when he has no one to vouch for them. And Jesus says, I've been sent by the Father of all creation, not only do I know the truth, saying, but I am the truth. Um, Jesus says, by me that all things are truly revealed for what they are. Uh, and there's a C.S. Lewis quote that I think kind of helps illustrate that point. And it goes, yeah, it goes like this. It says, I believe in Christianity, or just Christ. Christianity is a belief in Christ. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And so, Jesus is saying, in other words, um, this thing that he's claiming that he is, the light of the world, is not some conclusion that you arrive at after gathering all the necessary information. He's saying, I'm the light of the world. This thing that he's claiming is, you just, you see it. You just, you see by it, you look to it. You follow it out of darkness. He's saying, I am the guiding light. I am the way out of darkness. Jesus is saying, look to me, y'all. Look to me and follow me out of the chaos and confusion of life. That's what Jesus is saying. Um, he tells the Pharisees, you're judging according to the flesh. Uh, that doesn't compare to the witness I have from the Father. Uh, he says, I am able to judge rightly. And, and Jesus is saying, I'm able to see things for what they really are. So where does that leave us? Humans, we, we're obviously all humans in here. Um, we judge according to the flesh. Uh, so where does that leave us? Let's look. Let's, let's get to the next, my next point then and see what Jesus has done to be the light of the world for us. Um. So the all-knowing God of the universe, that's what we've determined. That's who we've determined Jesus is from what he said, among other reasons, other parts of the Bible. Uh, but what, from what he said in this passage, he's come to the universe. He, he has come, he's taken on flesh. He's come to earth. Why? Why has he done that? Well, uh, he tells us in this passage and then also in John 3, which Ryan preached on a couple weeks ago, he tells us why he has not come. Uh, John 3 says he has not come to condemn the world. Jesus could have done that a long time ago, y'all. He could have, he could have condemned the world as soon as, as soon as sin entered the world, as soon as condemnation was deserved. Um, 
but he doesn't do that. That would not that wouldn't be consistent with uh, the character of God that is displayed throughout history. God created and continues to sustain a world in which he's in, he intends to love his children as only he can. And so, he's not come to condemn the world. Uh, he also has not come to judge. That's right here in this passage, as we just talked about that a second ago. Uh, so why did he come? Why did Jesus come? Uh, well, we read in this passage actually for um, the third time in John, uh, something I think is kind of interesting, and that is the statement here at the end of the passage that his hour has not yet come. So, Jesus' mission, what we're, what we're seeing there is hours not yet come, Jesus' mission is not yet complete. Whatever it is that he came to do uh, has not arrived yet. It's evident, right, that his ultimate purpose in coming has not yet been accomplished. Uh, his ultimate act, if he is the light of the world, his ultimate act of being light for us is not just in the fact that he's God. Oh, that's very, very important. That's why I dedicated my whole first point to the fact that he's God. Um, it's not, that's not the only way that he is light for us. Because at that point, we're still left apart from him, right? He's still God and we're still human. Um, no, the, the moment in which uh, Jesus shines as a light most brilliantly for us is when, when he, the light, actually enters into darkness for us and uh, bears our sin upon himself. It is forsaken by the Father um, for our sake. So, um, y'all, he does this. He does this for the undeserving. He does this for people like the Pharisees. And at this point, I can be honest with y'all. I was just preparing, um, reading this passage several times over again. I actually had the thought. I thought, man, how great of Jesus to be gracious with those Pharisees, right? Like they're so stubborn. And they're so, they're so stubborn to look to themselves and not to him, not to Jesus as their, their, their source of light. And then I stepped back and started beginning to realize that, um, you know, that's me, right? If I'm being honest, I want, I want to boost myself. I want to be known for, for my knowledge. I want, to, I want to look like I have it all together. I want to know what to say in every situation. Um, and often I want that. Often I want that more than I want to look to Jesus for understanding and for the receiving of His love. And He and He knew that when He died for me. That's the point I'm trying to make. This is this is powerful. Jesus dies for the undeserving, and He knew that. He knew that He was doing that. So Jesus is coming, and He's putting everything out in the open. He's lighting up our whole situation, so to speak. Um, we say all the time here at RUF that, that this is a place for, um, for broken, messy people. We, we always say, like, this is a place for hot messes. And, uh, and that's true. And, of course, that's not the end of the story, but I think it's important to acknowledge that. Because, first of all, I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we know that we are broken, messed up people. But... We also know that Jesus died for us, y'all. He died for us while we were in that state. He knows where we are, and he dies for us still. 
the light of Jesus reveals our sin, reveals our sin to us, and it's ugly. But he also reveals his love um, by the fact that he knowingly goes to die for sinful people. Let that truth sink in, y'all. Let that take root in your lives. In times of hurt and confusion, we ought to look to him. We ought to look to who he is and to the work that he's done on our behalf for his children. Will that not, would that not begin to transform us if we're, if we're seeing that clearly? Um, would that not begin to change the way that we look at everything around us, the way that we uh, interact with others, and the way that we go about our daily tasks set before us by God, and the way that we even interact with God Himself? Um, I think it will. Uh, Jesus didn't come, y'all, to discount or discredit our suffering and hurt. Um, he came so that He could sympathize with our weaknesses and with our temptations and with our pain and so that he could take the ultimate suffering for our sins. And that's good news. The debt has been paid. That's really good news. And so now, um, as Christians, we can live with hope, y'all, knowing that Jesus, Jesus was resurrected and he's going to return one day and he's going to restore creation and he's going to illumine and shine a light, so to speak, and show everything for as it was intended to be. Until that day, um, may we live as people of hope and continue to look to Him um, and His work, knowing y'all that on the other side of our present suffering is life with Him, life with God, because of His relentless pursuing. Never ending, never giving up love for us. So, that's it. Let me pray for us. Y'all pray with me.